Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, the weekly feel-good podcast with music, stories, laughter, and tired voices recorded well after midnight. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. This is quite possibly the longest podcast episode I have done yet, and we cover a lot of ground this week. We have three brand new Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone audiobook chapters that will be going up on Thursday. It was the largest gaming convention of the year, E3, and I give some of my preferred highlights and games I'm very excited for uh, and a little bit later on. We talk about two brand new songs of the week, I also talk about a YouTube channel I think you should all check out that is just wonderful. And I talk about a musical I saw just last weekend and my thoughts and feelings on that as well. It's a lot of stuff to talk about and it's a lot of stuff to dive into. So enough with my dilly-dallying. Let's get right into it. For this week, we have two songs of the week yet again, and both these songs both have a very similar meaning uh, to me because they both remind me a lot of summer, just like those long, hot days on the beach, hanging out with friends. They're both wonderful songs for that kind of mindscape, but for two pretty different reasons. Like, they both are very upbeat, and they've got a lot of cool, like, kind of swingy jamminess to them, but uh, I think you'll agree with me that they're both very different songs. The first song is actually off of an album that hasn't even come out yet. It was released as a single uh, not that uh, not that long ago. It was very recent. This is uh, Humility featuring a Mr. George Benson by the Gorillas, which is a virtual band that I'm sure all of you know. I didn't know that what the term virtual band was, but it turns out the Gorillas is really just one dude and um, the artist who draws all the characters, which makes... Um, this person just like quite quite possibly one of the greatest musical minds of our time because pulling off the gorillas well, basically single-handedly musically is is incredible uh, Damon Albarn um, who also uh, was in the band Blur and they had that one song I'm not gonna play it here because it oh god it was that one hit wonder song uh, from the 90s but like this dude is is insanely talented for the gorillas, but anyway, humility. Um, it uh, features George Benson, like I said, who is a wonderful jazz guitarist uh, from way back when. He does some incredible, just very kind of smooth, light. Oh, it just feels so good. This guitar, it's just so nice. It fits the song to a T. And the music video, uh, which was filmed at Venice Beach in um, in California, uh, features Jack Black uh, just kind of bopping around with his guitar. And uh, it's it's a wonderful song. Here, take a listen. good stuff that's good stuff indeed and up next we have yet another song to remind us about summer it is everybody wants to rule the world but because this is my song of the week i am going with the ninja sex party cover of this song i love tears for fears 
They're a great band, but the first time I heard this song, it was the Ninja Sex Party cover off of Under the Covers, which was released a couple of years ago. I want to say 2015. I need to confirm it real quick here. Let me just scroll 20, 2016, dang it. Oh well, they came out in 2016. And it was one of the singles uh, leading up to the re uh, release of their first cover album. And when I first heard it, it was almost the end of the school year back in college. And it was a really warm day. And the music video itself, once again, um, features like they're outside, they're dancing around in an RV, they're going on a road trip. It's bright and sunny. It's got the same kind of, I think it's the guitar. I think the guitars in these songs is the unifying feeling of summer factor between these two songs. Uh, here, take a listen and maybe you'll see what I mean. both very light they're both very just kind of like um almost almost like synth poppy kind of thing going on there um or in the case of george benson they're very jazzy they're very jazzy guitars but those two songs put me in the summer mood more than anything else and now that we're we're decently deep into july jaloon wow and now that we're decently into june i feel like there is no better time than the now to get into that summer swing so enjoy these two song additions to the Song of the Week playlist, which can be found at goingoutcast.com. You can also follow the playlist on Spotify, so you can just get those updates right as they happen. And we will slowly but surely create an actual playlist that will take some time to listen to. Um, as of right now, it's currently sitting pretty around 40 minutes. But uh, you know as well as I do that this playlist is going to end up to being days long. Days long and I can't wait for it to get to that point that's gonna be it's gonna be awesome somebody's gonna marathon this playlist and it's gonna be sweet if you have a song that you want to suggest for song of the week please reach out at goingupcast at gmail.com you can put song of the week in the uh in the title of the email so I can just pick them out or you can contact me on the contact page at goingupcast.com which will go right to the email but there's a little drop down tab that you can click song of the week and then you can you can do all the all the things therein and I will I'll just you'll get on here it's just it's a done deal at this point you got a song of the week suggestion well it's on the playlist that's how it works awesome let's move on to the next thing for this section of the podcast we are going to be talking about the biggest gaming event of the year that is currently happening this week. That's right, E3 has begun and basically ended by the time you guys hear this. Nintendo was earlier this morning. Unfortunately, uh, due to uploading the podcast, I will not be able to watch the Nintendo conference, um, but I am currently, as of recording this, watching the Sony conference, and I wanted to talk briefly about the Xbox conference. Um, I, I don't really care for the other ones. Um, Ubisoft is one of my... I can't care about Ubisoft games. I've never really enjoyed any of them. Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, none of that shit interests me, so fuck it. 
Uh, what were the other ones? Um, uh, Bethesda. Nez. I mean, yeah, they announced what Fallout seventy six and uh, Elder Scrolls six and uh, Skyrim two and all that other sh- stuff. But I'm just like, eh, it's whatever. Um, so I'm going to talk about the games that I I want to talk about. It's the games like, let's see, I'm looking at the Microsoft um thing right now, and the games that jump out at me: uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. The brand new uh, game out of FromSoft, who are known for making such awesome games as Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3, and Bloodborne. Uh, I never played Demon Souls, but I played all of those other ones. And I love, I love the Souls franchise. So it's basically Samurai Souls. I'm in. I'm in with both feet, just plunging right into the deep end. Give me a pre-order. I'm in. Let's go. I love me some FromSoft. FromSoft and Platinum Games are two of the are the two of those studios that I'm just like, I'm all up about. Like, they they can do no wrong in my head. And speaking of Platinum Games, they actually did have something during the Square Enix panel. I believe it's called Babylon's Fall, I want to say. That's uh, probably, that's probably not right. Let me quickly uh, pull up the Square Enix um, panel here on the E3 Mega Thread found on Reddit. Uh, yep, Babylon's Fall. We know nothing about it. It's just, it's being made by Platinum. Um, so I'm very excited about what that could possibly be. Naturally, Kingdom Hearts 3. Everybody's really excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, I very recently, as in yesterday of recording this, so Sunday, this past Sunday, uh, started playing the first Kingdom Hearts. Um, completely missed the boat on this one because I didn't have a, a PlayStation when I was growing up. So very, very new to that franchise, but I love Disney. I love Final Fantasy. It's the two of them mashed together. I imagine I'm going to have a grand old time. But back to Microsoft. Uh, They had Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. I was very, very excited about that. The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit from the makers of Life is Strange. I really enjoyed that game. So I'm excited to see what appears to be um, Max's kid. It it, like the face uh, really looks like Max. So I think this is, I think this is a, it's, I think it's her kid. And I don't know why she's AWOL on this kid's life, but I'm excited to play it. I think it's free, so I'm very excited about that. Um, Near Automata has a, has a Game of the Year edition, basically. Become As Gods edition, uh, which is great because I never actually played that game either. And that is Platinum, uh, so I need to get all up in that action. Oh, Platinum Games made uh, Mad World. They made... Uh, come on, Platinum. What else did you make? Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, which was really good. Bayonetta's 1 and 2. Um, and I think they had... They had Scalebound, but that was canceled. Um, but they worked on it. And uh, there's another the big one I'm forgetting. They did the Legend of Korra game. They did uh, Transformers Devastation. Uh, they're really, really good at character action games. So logic would dictate that uh, Babylon's Fall would be a character action game um, based on their um, their history. Uh, a lot of other games I don't care about, like Battlefield 5 and Forza Horizon 4 and all that other crap, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what else did they have? There's one other game I wanted to talk about. Jump Force. I don't know what that is, but it looks dope as hell. Uh, you got you got your Gokus. You got your Narutos. You got your Light from Death Note. You got uh, uh, Luff, Luffy, Luffy from uh, One Piece. I don't know what the fuck that is, but that yeah, I'm let's go. I don't know what. Where's Ash? Where's my Pokemans? Did you get them all up in there? Uh, that looks dope as hell. And then naturally, Cyberpunk 2077. Holy shit! CD Projekt Red is dropping us some fucking dope looking ass games. Oh man, I am I am very 
excited about that. I could not be more thrilled for Cyberpunk 2077, a, a Witcher 3 style open world game set in the future with some Cyberpunk androids and shit. Oh, holy crap. Could not be more excited about that. And right now, we got Sony. It was previously announced a while ago, a couple weeks back, that Sony was only going to talk about four main games, all of which are exclusives. Death Stranding, the new game from um, from the dude behind uh, the Metal Gear franchise, whose name is currently escaping me. Hideo, Hideo, Googling Hideo, Kojima. Kojima, of course. Um, very, very excited about that. I don't know dick about it because I'm watching the, the stream right now. I imagine they're going to tell me hopefully something about it, but that game looks great. Uh, we've got the new Spider-Man game, which I'm very excited for. I would love if there was some kind of VR, even a little little VR thing. I just want a little little VR. Um, I do have the PlayStation VR, and I want more things to do with it. So give me, give me Spider-Man VR. Um, right now they're talking about Call of Duty Black Ops 3 for PS Plus members. Who gives a shit? Uh, and then there were two other games. Ghost of Tetsuro. I don't know anything about that, except that it appeared on the list of the four games that Sony was going to talk about for this year's E3. I imagine I'll learn a little bit here about those games. I'm going to f talk more about these in a hot second when I actually finish this. And then the final game that they are talking about, naturally, is The Last of Us 2. They opened the panel with The Last of Us 2. It looks fucking incredible. Holy shit. Ellie's all grown up. She's got it. She got a lady friend. I'm all about that. And just the gameplay, the combat looked fucking great. Holy shit. I was I was very into that. Oh, we've got a PlayStation VR game currently being talked about right now. There's a lot of cool kaleidoscopy visuals. I don't know what I'm looking at here. It looks like it looks like Tetris. It is Tetris. It's Tetris effect. Why? Why is that? Oh god, she's horrible. Um now we're talking about we got some zombie wolves. We got a dude knocked off a bike, some corn, Days Gone. Oh, I remember that from last year. Yeah, Days Gone. Um, very briefly spoken about in last year. And now we've got Death Stranding, I think. Nope, I don't know what this is. It's not Death Stranding. It looks like Twin Mirror. Don't know what that is. Um, but there you go. Here's a new PlayStation VR game. I'm just, I'm just live casting this now. Looks like Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's not. It can't be. Um, uh, uh, what is this? Ghost Giant. That looks great. That looks cute. Ah, oh, Beat Saber. Thank God. I'm like, I want to play the shit out of that game. That's the game with the lightsabers and it's basically Guitar Hero, but I'm like, it's not on PS4, so I can't play it. And it will be uh, fairly soon, actually, I think. Um, I think that's coming out later this summer on PlayStation VR. Uh, and actually, Sony's kind of my camp because I do have a PS4. I have a PS4 and a PC. So those are my two, those are my two go-tos right now. So that's why I was into the Microsoft uh, panel where I will be able to play, hopefully set um, uh, Sekiro on PC because I don't have the Xbox. Uh, I imagine that game will also be on play, uh, PlayStation 4. I can't see a world in which it isn't because um, like FromSoft has already made Bloodborne as a PlayStation exclusive. So I can't imagine uh, that game not being on PS4. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to take a take a br uh, break here, uh, play a little jingle, and I'll come back and talk about the PlayStation stuff in more detail. Hang tight, everybody. And we're back. So PlayStation had the four games I previously mentioned as part of its E3 conference. 
uh, it turns out that they had a bit more to show us than what was previously described, including uh, God of War has a new game plus mode, which is super freaking cool. There's some Destiny 2 action. Who cares? Ghost of uh, Sitsumia, um, or Shushima, uh, however you want to pronounce that, appeared to have this... I'm not really sure how to describe it. It looks incredible. It looks like a gorgeous game. I'm not really sure how it plays. It had an uncharted feel. Um, there was, there was like some climbing. The combat looked really cool. Um, I don't know what the story is going to be. Uh, it appears to be, uh, they, they mentioned Mongols, um, Mongols invasion of Japan, perhaps during the, um, like the era of the samurai. Not really sure what's going on there, but that looks pretty cool. There was this neat little game, um, called Control, which had a lot of like telekinesis, trippy, um, a lot of space-time warpy mechanics, it appeared, uh, and that looks very intriguing. I look forward to seeing more of that. We have the Resident Evil 2 remake coming out in January. A lot of people were very excited about that. It took me far too long to realize what the game actually was. I only got it when the Zambies appeared. Actually, no, I think I got it when Leon showed up. Um, that's when that's when I got it. Brand new game out of Squanchy Games. The guys behind Rick and Morty called Trover and the Smear. Could be good. Probably won't be. As much as I love Rick and Morty, I don't know. I don't know. That that Rick and Morty VR game is hot garbage. So can't can't really see where that's gonna go. I love Rick and Morty, and the jokes are fun in that that VR game. The accounting is good, but the Rick and Morty virtual reality or whatever is not is not strong. At least it's not great on PSVR. Um, naturally, some more Kingdom Hearts three. Uh, uh, like different different clips showing us Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, there's so many Disney franchises in this game. I don't, I don't know. Like it feels like insert self-insert fan fiction. So I'm not sure about that. They gave us a, a lot more on Death Stranding, including what looked like actual gameplay for a little bit there. But I still don't know what kind of game it is, what it's about. I don't know. It's it's still a total mystery to me. I'm I wouldn't be at all surprised if they whooped around and went, "It's a chess clone." I'd be like, "All right, I don't know what you're doing, Kojima, but." You, you got you got your money in the, on your mind on whatever this is. I look forward to it. Neho 2, which I never played the first one, but it's it appears to be the most successful Souls-like game currently out there, which is super neat. And finally, they showed us a whopping like seven, eight minute like gameplay trailer thing for Spider-Man. And holy dog shit, does that game look incredible? Like it's got it's got your Arkham Asylum combat system. It's got your your Spider-Man's rogues gallery of villains, all of whom look incredible. The designs on these characters is done beautifully. I am so excited for Spider-Man. I don't know how long the game's get. Like it seems to be linear, a single-player story, which is totally fine with me. Um, but I have a sneaking suspicion that it's not going to take more than maybe maybe a dozen hours to beat that game which i i think is going to be a real bummer um that's 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 my that's my weird i'm getting this weird tingle in the back of my head that's going to say i'm going to spend 60 dollars on this game that i'm going to beat in 10 hours and um it's just not gonna be long enough for me um i don't know how long it should be i don't want it to drag but like, I recently played and beat Persona 5, and that took me about 90 hours, and that felt like 
like the perfect length for that game. It felt like you could do basically everything you want to do in that game in 90 hours. So I don't know. I don't know where where that game's gonna be. I feel like The Last of Us Part Two, which looked fucking so cool. Holy crap! Ellie's the main character. She's got she's got her lady friend, and she was whooping some butt. Holy shit! Fucking fucking can't wait for that. I need to play the first one. I I gotta get my hands on The Last of Us. That looked so incredible. So I gotta gotta get that going. It was it was a wonderful wonderful press conference. Well, I think what I loved about it was that they just showed you gameplay and trailers, and there was no fucking talking. I mean, there was this weird like outdoor stage thing, but that wasn't like it, like if you sat in the in the auditorium, you would have just seen like the video. It was just like somebody hit play. Here's a whole presentation. Thanks for coming. See you next year. I loved it. There wasn't any like, hi, I'm so and so. I'm the I'm the you know administrative assistant. <laughs> For the VP of Sony. I'm just like, yay, who cares? Um, I just, show me games. That's all I wanted from Sony. And that's what they gave me. They just showed us games. And holy shit, did they all look incredible. That wasn't a bad game in the bunch. There was one game that was up there that I probably kind of miffy about. I mean, it's just like the DLC. I don't play Destiny 2. It looked great. Who cares? I don't play Destiny 2. So if you do, whoop-de-doo. I'm so excited for you. You got some new Destiny 2 stuff coming your way. Um, personally... I'm not going to play Resident Evil 2, but I am so happy for all the people who are super excited for Resident Evil 2. Because uh, there's a lot of you. It's a very popular franchise. I did play Resident Evil 4, um, and I loved that game. And I'm not touching Resident Evil 7 with a 7-foot pole, because if I bought it, I'd have to play it in VR, and that's not happening. Um, uh, maybe someday, but not anytime soon. Not while I'm a coward. So, E3 was awesome this year. We got a lot of great stuff. Would have liked a Spider-Man release date. I understand completely that they aren't showing it to us yet. Um, despite the fact that it looks like a finished game, like, I don't know why I don't have it in my hands yet. That looked pretty fucking polished to me. Um, but I don't, I don't know. They're still, still working on it. So Spider-Man will come out eventually. And in the meantime, I'm going to plow my way through Kingdom Hearts and hopefully beat that before January 29th. I'm sure I can. I've got half a year to do so. Can't imagine that I can't complete, um, those games. Um, but then again, I do have like all of them to go through. 1.5, 2.5, 2.8, and all the other ones, um, if if I need to. Uh, I need to talk to some Kingdom Hearts fans to see if the other games are actually required for lore understanding, but that'll be that'll be very exciting. And naturally, Nintendo happened sometime today. Um, I don't... I haven't seen it yet. I will have seen it by the time you hear this, but just some random conjectures for me. I want more news on Pokemon. I want some Metroid news. I want to see what that's all about. Um, I want to see if they're doing anything new with the Nintendo Labo because they've released all a bunch of stuff, but is there anything new coming down the pipeline? What's new for Zelda? What's new for Smash? Is Smash playable on the Switch? There's a rumor going around that it's going to get released tomorrow, which would blow everybody's minds. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. What kind of news they were going to bring us? Because, you know, Nintendo could have any number of surprises up its sleeve. Um, it could it could do almost anything it wanted to at this point. Nintendo could just drop just the craziest, the craziest drop. Who knows? But um, very, very excited to see what Nintendo has to bring to the table to close off this year's E3 gaming conference. I, as a gamer, am very excited for the future of gaming. I cannot wait to get my hands on some of these games. Oh, if I had to pick one that I'm the most excited for, who, hmm, probably, like, I'm the most excited for? Probably Spider-Man. Um, 
honestly. There's a lot of the games I'm really interested in playing, for sure. But in terms of like, in terms of me, like not even the FromSoft game comes or the or the Platinum game. All both games I'm very excited for. But in terms of games that I can almost guarantee I will actually purchase, Spider-Man is probably probably the number one. I imagine quite a few of these I will watch in the old school fashion of like live streams and YouTube videos. Because um, you know, in in today's in today's hectic world simply don't have enough time to get my hands on all these games. Not like I used to, uh, but Spider-Man is probably... I will make time for Spider-Man. I will set... I will I will take days off of work for Spider-Man. And probably Sekiro, uh, the new FromSoft game. Probably, probably that as well. But I also have Battle for Azeroth coming out in like two months, and I gotta get my dude up to snuff. But yeah, that was, that was my rundown in E3. Um, I would love to hear what you guys have to think about E3. What game are you the most excited for? And why is it Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> a lot of people really excited for Kingdom Hearts. So, and more power to you. But yeah, let me know what game you're the most excited for. What game wish do you wish we saw at E3? Do you want more Elder Scrolls 6 news? Probably. I mean, that game has been, been hinted at, I guess. Well, it has been hinted at, but we've been wanting that game since Skyrim. So it's been almost, it's been almost seven, eight years. Since Skyrim originally came out, so but yeah, uh, send me send me an email at goingupcast@gmail.com. Drop me a drop me a message on goingupcast.com on the contact page. Click other. I don't know what the subject titles are on the contact page anymore, but you click one of them and send it on my way, and we'll talk about it next time on the Going Upcast. But now it's time to move on to something else. Welcome to the late night portion of this week's podcast. It is currently 11 o'clock at night. And the reason I'm recording this part of the podcast so late in the evening is because I wanted to tell you guys about this new, well, new to me, uh, musical I just saw based on an old Victor Hugo novel and Disney movie, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, this movie, while not being one of my favorite Disney movies, uh, certainly has a couple of songs in there that I am a huge fan of. Uh, songs like Out There, Heaven's Light, Hellfire, and that's it. <laughs> oh, Bells of Notre Dame. Um, the, the intro song is also is also one of my favorites. And um, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, my brother had previously told me earlier in the week that this was, quote, the greatest musical he's ever seen. And I was like, that is high praise. Those are strong words. Let's see if it can hold up to such critique i guess to such praise and so uh so i went and i saw and uh it's a wonderful musical uh the the cast is phenomenal in their own way musically it is superb i loved the staging uh the majority um well not the majority the 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 set essentially uh comprises of two layers uh stylized as the inside of the cathedral of notre dame uh, and the, uh, the cool, uh, part about how the stage was structured is that on the second level on either side, um, or on both sides of the stage, we had essentially a church choir providing the, the, um, Gregorian, uh, kind of, uh, gang choir vocals, uh, that is prevalent throughout the majority of the musical due to the, uh, very strong, uh, religious overtones of the tome 
and the plot of the musical in general, uh, which was uh, hauntingly beautiful at times, uh, particularly when it was the um, the overture at the beginning of the musical. It was very, um, it was very kind of um, spine tingling in their uh, in their delivery. It was wonderful to see, but I think what set this musical apart from all other musicals, and I think why I think this is the reason why uh, my brother uh, gave it such high praise, is that the the lead actor for Quasimodo is deaf, and there is there were two dedicated signers, um, in the bottom on on stage left, uh, who signed the entire musical, and many of the songs throughout the musical were also signed as they were being sung by the actors themselves. And I have only seen this one other time in in my uh in my like theater experience have I ever seen signers and actors um on stage together, but um and that was a uh, big river when I went to the Ford Theater uh, where Lincoln was shot, I saw I saw Big River uh, there, and there were there were two, basically two people on stage dressed the same way. One person saying all the lines, and the other person signing all the lines, and so it was it was a two person dynamic. Um, but there it was very much this is the same character, and they're doing the same thing. Here uh, we had a, a moment where, or not a moment, but uh, an element throughout the whole musical uh, was that there was Quasimodo. The, the deaf actor, and there was the voice of Quasimodo, the singer, and it felt like they were they were friends. It didn't feel like the same character. It felt like buddies. Like he like the voice of Quasimodo never looked away from Quasimodo. So it didn't feel like he was singing and Quasimodo was signing. It felt like he was translating what Quasimodo was signing and singing it. That it felt it was the other way. It wasn't somebody saying a thing and then a signer in response. It was a it was somebody signing, and the singing was the response, and that shifted the whole thing. It wasn't the singer with Quasimodo. It was Quasimodo with a singer, and that was awesome. That was that was a wonderful way to do that, and this the, like his voice was superb, and it felt like a unit of a character being portrayed through two individuals to make a cohesive. Unit. It was wonderful. It was such a such a like. It was the type of thing you could only find in the theater. It was it was a unique moment that wouldn't exist in any other medium. It was wonderful. I loved it, and the just the the support this musical had for the whole thing was signed in musical like downstage left with the dedicated signers. It was it was wonderful, and that was such a unique thing for this musical to do i mean it really kind of fits in with the themes of the hunchback of notre dame and it just enhanced the whole experience and throughout the audience i saw several several signers all over the place so it's it's like it's a known thing like until like a couple of weeks ago i didn't know this was a musical and um it's just it's it's very cool it's pioneering in its own way and i want this to extend into other musicals because I didn't find the signing distracting at all. And I feel like that's a big argument against things like this. Like there was, there was a huge push um, uh, not that long ago that I believe is still ongoing and I fully support of having subtitles in movie theaters. 
every now and then you'll find like a subtitle supported movie but the subtitles are it's like it's a secondary thing you know it's not a cohesive part of the film and if like subtitles are not distracting to me and that's the only argument people have against subtitles is that they're distracting and look if the presence of subtitles or a signer is the difference between somebody enjoying something that they previously could not versus something that mildly distracts you that your opinion is no longer valid in this argument it's like we got to do what allows the most number of people to enjoy something no matter what it takes like that's just that's just basic human decency at that point so i applaud this musical for for doing the for doing this it's it's phenomenal and like it wasn't like oh this person kind of knows how to sign everybody was super fluent and the synchronicity between the signings like you know if it was an ensemble bit they're all signing like at the exact same time in the exact same way like holding out notes uh vocally and physically it was it was very very cool in terms of the plot of the musical this is a, a strange combination of disney and the original novel like um spoilers if you haven't seen the movie or read the novel um like esmeralda doesn't make it uh the the movie er, or the movie the, mu the musical jesus it's late the musical uh air quotes ends with quasimodo dying um the a similar way uh, that happens in the uh, in the novel and uh one thing that this movie did that i felt like changed a lot was Quasimodo wasn't just some random gypsy kid that Frollo tried to kill and inevitably, uh, air quotes, adopted. Um, Quasimodo is his nephew uh, in this musical. Um, I assume that is the case in the original novelization. And I felt like this changed quite a bit because now it's no longer, oh, I'm saddled with this, this monster child then I have to deal with them forever. It's more like, ah, oh, this is my my blood now i've got to you know raise him as as my own because i said to my brother i would and that kind of stuff and i feel like that changed quite a bit and um in terms of characterization frollo is a lot more developed in the musical than he is in the movie um not to um undercut his general horribleness don't get me wrong frollo is the 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 worst of the worst abusing his power to get what he wants all over the place whether it's sexual pleasure or the eradication of people he thinks are beneath him or just it's he is he is objectively an absolutely terrible horrible person and he performed the the actor that played Frollo tonight performed his role incredibly well uh to the point where in the um uh, uh curtain call when everybody's coming out for bow uh he was booed and i f i felt bad i did um, but you know, when you hate a villain, that means the actor did a good job. So he knew what he was signing on for because he did a remarkable job. But, um, he, like his, his acting might've been some of the best of the night. Um, he was, there was a very emotionally driven performance and I, I tip my hat to judge Claude Frollo, uh, who is an iconic Disney villain, um, or literature villain, I should say since this was not just a, an adaptation of the Disney uh, movie. Not like many of those songs. In fact, every song that was in the movie was present on stage and additional songs were written for the stage adaptation by um, Alan Menken and Stuart Schwartzman, I believe, 
was the was the lyricist. Um, might have to might have to check my footnotes on that particular front, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Although I will say that the movie itself is like an hour and a half long, and it's it's a pretty tight knit story. Um, the musical was well over two hours, and it felt like it felt padded. I hate to say it because it was a good musical, but there were certainly songs that were noticeably added for to the musical simply to have more songs in the musical, um, which is a terrible thing. But, I mean, you've seen it in movies where a conflict or a subplot is exists in the movie just to make it like a feature-length film, and you're like, that didn't need to be there. This didn't need to be this long. Um, but it, it felt like... there, were, there So, like, <sighs> there were a couple of songs, like when... Uh, uh, Phoebus and Esmeralda were thrown into jail before Esmeralda burns at the at the pyre. To my recollection, there's no song in the movie at that moment in the story, but there is in the musical. And I was like, they could write a song about anything. And it's like, Quasimodo, didn't you ever tell me about your love for ham sandwiches? And Quasimodo looks all emotional and goes, There was once a time I went down to the market. And found myself some bread. It's just like, come on. You don't you don't gotta make a song about everything. Morning's here. No, no, don't need a don't need that song. You can cut that right out of the musical. So there's a little bit of that action. There's a couple other notes I wanted to uh to make about this musical. Note number one, it felt the pacing was was a little weird, I will admit. There were certainly to go along with like the unnecessary song thing. It felt like they had a lot of unnecessary songs focusing on aspects of the musical that didn't need further scrutiny, while at the same time the more interesting aspects of the musical were montage flashed past. So, like, there was a lot of time dedicated towards Esmeralda and the church, hanging out with Quasimodo, and establishing that relationship is important, to be sure, but there was too much time spent on that. And then when they're hunting Esmeralda at night in Paris, and Paris is burning... Arguably the most action-packed scene of the whole thing. Um, besides, like, the assault on the Citadel um, at the end of the film. Which sounds so much cooler than it actually is. Uh, it was montaged. It was like, oh, I gotta find Esmeralda. And it's it felt very fast-paced. And um, there, was, there was a Gilbert and Sullivan air about the musical at these times. Um, many characters providing uh, narration um, almost seemingly at random. And uh, characters would rush onto stage... Uh, to provide vocals for uh, songs and then like rush off of stage and there's like little pockets all over the stage of like here's this subplot that's going on jump cut to this subplot that's happening on the other side of the stage and while that's happening those other characters on the right side of the stage have sprinted off and new characters have run on and they found their marks and they're singing to support this part of the song and then those people all run off the stage and now there's people on the second story of the stage and they're singing a bit while the first stage clears out and here comes some props and here comes Frollo come charging in and there's a bunch more singers coming in from stage left to help them out from stage right and everything's happening all at once and it's going in this kind of whirlwind fashion where it's, it's very fast paced and then just really slows down and really focuses on a certain aspect of the musical and it picks right back up again and it goes everybody's flying all over this way and that and all of a sudden the curtains drop and it's the end act one and you're just like whoa rocking back in your seat so it's is weird it was weird that's the only way i can describe it it wasn't very well paced but it was uh it was it was good despite its flaws where it excels more than makes up for it in my opinion it's it is it is kind of a roller coaster of a musical there are some really great highs 
and there's some pretty funny lows, um, I will admit. There's a fair amount of cheese um, as well. Uh, there's There was this moment where um, Frollo is like talking to Quasimodo. He's like, it's just you and me, boy. We're all we have. And he's like tenderly holding Quasimodo's face. And it's like, we can go back to the way things were. And somebody comes charging in. It's like, Judge called it Frollo. And Frollo's like, not now. And he like turns dramatically and like yells at the guy while his hands are still on Quasimodo's face. And then he turns back to face Quasimodo with like a smile. And I just started, I lost it. I laughed so hard. It was like, can't you see I'm busy having an emotional moment with my foster son? Ah, <sighs> Quasimodo. I laughed so hard. I'm shaking in the chair. It was very funny. I thought it was very funny. But, long story short, if you ever find yourself in a position to see the Hunchback of Notre Dame musical performed live on stage before your eyes, I would encourage you to do so. I believe the the, the pioneering steps it takes towards equality across all peoples, both hearing and non, is wonderful. And I want more things to do this. I wouldn't mind it a bit if every musical I saw from here out on had signers. Most of them should and really need them from now on. And I want movies with subtitles. I want everybody to be able to enjoy whatever medium they want, despite all things that may prevent them from doing so. I think we can I think we can do that much for the name of entertainment and unity. It must be done. It must be done. I may be saying this very dramatically, but I am serious. I want this. I want this to happen. I think. I think that's just something we can all push for. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that story with you. And I got one more thing I want to talk to you guys about. So let's get right on into it. In terms of Harry Potter, we've got some news. So. Uh, some of you may have seen on the website that we have a brand new page for the audiobooks. It's called audiobooks. It's right after um, episodes and before songs in terms of like the other uh, pages. And what you will see, what you will be presented with is a gray um, album cover that I designed uh, a couple of days ago. It says audiobooks by Andrews presents Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. You got to click on that <laughs> in order to access the, the album therein. So um, it's it's similar in design to the actual uh, blog, and basically what it is is it's you got the the chapters right there. Uh, this Thursday we will be adding three more chapters, uh, which are chapters four through six, which include some wonderful moments. I actually already have this week's moment picked out, but we've got the keeper of the keys, the trip to Diagon Alley. And the journey from platform nine and three quarters. So we got we got some good stuff in these chapters. Uh, but there's a there's a wonderful little moment in chapter four when Hagrid first hits the scene, where I am incapable of giving a consistent performance, and that's gonna be this week's highlight. Here, take a listen. But you must know about your mom and dad, he said. I mean, they're famous. You're famous. What? My mom and dad weren't famous, were they? You don't know. You don't know. I don't know why his voice suddenly changed. Hagrid ran his fingers through his hair, fixing Harry with a bewildered stare. You don't know what you are. It's now he's Scottish. Fuck it. Fuck it. It's, Hagrid is all sorts of things. I was trying to make him like a drunk pirate, but now he's Scottish. So now he's a dwarf. We're just rolling with it. Anyway, he said finally. Olga Vernon suddenly found his voice. Stop. 
he commanded. Stop right there, sir! I forbid you to tell that boy anything! A braver man than Vernon Dursley would have quailed under the furious look Hagrid now gave him. When Hagrid spoke, his every syllable trembled with rage. You never told him! Never told him what was in the letter Dumbledore left for him! I was there! I saw Dumbledore leave it, Dursley! And you've been keeping it from him all these years! Kept what from me? Said Harry eagerly. Stop! I forbid you! Yeah, God, everybody's- now he's Indian. Fuck, I can't keep the voices straight. It's, it's cool. It's fine. I'm not even drunk. I'm just tired. Ah, this is- I'm leaving all this in. Like I said, three new chapters going up this Thursday at 10 a.m. on goingupcast.com under the audiobooks page. They'll be right there next to all the other ones. And then you can listen to the first six chapters of book one. Three more chapters will come out next week. And I am so excited that these are just out and about for, for listening ship. Because I'm, like I said last week, these are these are some of the, the best things I've ever made. I love I loved my audiobooks. They are, they are wonderful in their very very particular way they're just it's just a it's a pet project of mine and i just i love the fact that people can now listen to them so thank you very much and hey you know what let's move on to the next thing finally this week i want to direct you guys towards something that i kind of binge watched um just uh just a little while ago uh and it brought a smile to my face like every video I watched of uh, of this particular YouTube channel. It's this is a, a weird kind of plug. Um but it is it's a cooking channel called June's Kitchen. He is a uh guy over in Japan uh who does little cooking tutorials with his cats. And these cats are some of the best cats out there on YouTube. They're wonderful cats. They are incredibly well-behaved. They are super curious. They're, quite frankly, adorable. They're awesome. And these videos, um, while providing awesome cooking demonstrations, are also incredibly well-produced. The editing in these videos is is awesome. The lighting is killer. The camera work is... It's They're very, very well-put-together videos. There's not a lot of them for that reason. Um, because they're so well put together, but I'll be, I'll be damned if these aren't some of the best videos out there on YouTube. So if you want to watch something that's almost guaranteed to put a smile on your face because of those cats, let me tell you, this is a, this is a really good YouTube channel for that. I'm actually watching one of these videos right now. I'm watching him how to make, what is this video called? It's called the Japanese take on American sushi. Um, and I'm just watching prepare this food and just the coolest way and those cats are adorable it almost makes me want to have a cat even though i'm allergic so it's it's a great youtube channel and like i said there's not many videos i would i would hazard guess at saying 20 maybe and none of them are longer than like say 15 minutes so you you've you've got the time to watch these these adorable cooking cat videos they're not he's not cooking cat he's cooking with cats so you've got time and i i can't recommend it Highly enough. June's Kitchen. J-U-N-S Kitchen. It's it's good stuff. It's real good stuff. You gotta watch it. So that'll put a smile right on your face. And I think that'll do it for this week's podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. 
If you could find it in your hearts and souls to leave a review on iTunes, that'll help me climb the ranks up those charts. Uh, like I said earlier, if you got a song for Song of the Week, send it in to goingupcast.gmail.com. If you've got a story you want to tell me and share it on the podcast, you can send that in as well to goingupcast.gmail.com or on the contact page, goingupcast.com. Also, if you have a cool YouTube channel that you like to watch to pick your spirits up, tell me about that too. I think that'd be cool. That could be a fun little thing where you'd be like, hey, if you like uh, if you like videos that make you happy, go check out this YouTube video, like June's Kitchen. It's a... Uh, It's good stuff, to be sure. And I will see you all later this week for three brand new Harry Potter chapters, uh, which we talked about earlier in the podcast. And I will see you next week for another episode of The Going Up Cast. My name was Andrew Logan, and I hope you all have a wonderful week.